Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this episode is all about paid holidays for us self employed music teachers. Hey there, lovely teachers. Before we talk about how to implement a system for having paid holidays, we need to understand how they work for regular folk. Meaning, how do other people have paid holidays? Employees. How do paid holidays actually work? Let's unpack that a little bit. Because that money doesn't come from nowhere. There's no such thing as an actual bonus (laughs) that's part of an employee's package. It's all really their salary in some form or another. At least that's how I think of it. Really, all of the different things, the health insurance that's packaged in, or the different perks and bits and pieces, they're all payment. They all go into the bottom line of the business. And paid holidays, I think they're essential rather than being a perk, but they are part of that package deal. So before we think about our own paid holidays, we need to understand that people who have them as part of being an employee, have them because it's factored into the rate that they're paid. That's the truth. Now, whether that's it's factored into their taxes and the government pays it, or it's factored into what their employer pays them, that depends on the country and the situation. But it's factored in somehow. It doesn't come from nowhere. It's not magic. So now that we are on the same page about that, Let's think about our own situation when it comes to paid holidays and or sick leave for us. We are in a bit of a different situation because, number one, we cannot work quite a few weeks out of the year in many locations, or at least a few, right? It depends on your local community, but for example, here in Ireland, it would be quite unusual to take lessons during the summer. Definitely not at Christmas break. And almost definitely not at Easter break as well. And then we have midterms on top of those. Those are slightly more optional. I used not to take them. There's still one of those that I don't take. But in general, we need to follow the school calendar. It will not fly with parents if we don't. And the school calendar includes, in primary schools, two months off in the summer. And in secondary schools, three months off in the summer. So I choose to follow the primary school calendar (laughs) to reduce that time off and also because it makes sense because I have a lot of primary school students 
and parents understand that I need to keep everyone on the same system, right? So I don't take the three months off. However, there are still a certain number of weeks in the year, quite a lot of them, that I can't work in a way. I do other work during that time, but I can't teach regular lessons. And it's probably the same where you are. Now, it may be fewer weeks out of the year that you can't teach or that it wouldn't really work for you to be teaching. In some parts of the world, some parts of the US, it may be more. But there's going to be some time that you kind of have to take off. So we have that already. But then we have needs as people. So we don't necessarily want only Christmas break off. It's great to have it. And that's lovely in one sense. But we have very little flexibility there. If we are sick or if we have a special event that we want to go to that happens during term time, how are we supposed to take that time off and go? What do we do? Do we get in touch with the families and refund them for those lessons? Do we ask them very nicely if they'll reschedule those lessons? All of these options are a bit messy, in my opinion. So I prefer the idea of something like flex weeks. Now, the term flex weeks, as I know it and understand it for teachers, comes from the wonderful and amazing Wendy Stevens. So if you haven't already encountered Wendy's blog, oh my gosh, where have you been? It's at composecreate.com. And she wrote an article about this way, way back. So I'm not taking credit for it. However, I did take it and put it into my own system. And so I'm hoping my additional thoughts on the basic concept of flex weeks for us teachers will be useful for you here. So you can see how I implemented it. But if you want another perspective, definitely check out Wendy's blog on that. And of course, we link to that in the article that goes along with this episode. If you're not currently on that page, that's at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 146. So this idea of flex weeks is basically the concept of charging for fewer weeks in the year than you're scheduled to teach. Let me break it down for you. Here's what you need to do. You need to set up a teaching calendar, first of all. So this is step one. You set up your teaching calendar. If you don't currently do this as part of your year anyway, I highly suggest it for several reasons. Number one, it gives you something to give to parents. So you have this physical calendar. It looks professional, even if you do it very simply and with a template in Word or in Google Sheets or anything like that, it will still look good. And it gives you that professional appearance where you're, you have a calendar put together, you've planned this out and they can see that, right? It's not just in your head that it's planned out, it's on paper. So it allows you to have that professional appearance. Having a calendar also gives you an opportunity to pencil in those important dates, right? So you can pencil in the concerts, that's what I do. I also put in all of our group workshops, which happen very regularly. And I've started splitting those up by age, so I mark them clearly in different colours. And again, you can see an example of this in the accompanying article at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 146. So having that calendar is great for having all those dates in. It also, when you lay it out, will allow you to put in the holidays, right? Decide now whether next Christmas you need to break on such a date or such a date, right? It varies based on when it is, maybe you don't take a Christmas break at all. I don't want to assume that you do, but that is standard at standard time of year for many of us. So I 
always look ahead to that date and see, oh, when is Christmas falling? Oh, that's super awkward, <laughs> depending on the year, and have to make a call. I, as much as possible with that, will err on the side of a full week and starting back with a full week. However, sometimes it does occur on a date where that's really awkward, so I'll have to, you know, finish up on a Wednesday and start back on a Thursday. I prefer not to do that if I can. Anyway, put all those into your calendar. I like to just mark those boxes in the calendar as grey, so it's clear that those are off days, and I put all of those in. Now, an extra step I like to do, which may or may not be standard for you, even if you're already doing a calendar, is I like to put the week number at the start of each week that I am teaching. So as at the start of each week that we're open, I put just one, two, three, four, right? So the first week in September, that's one. And then the second week is two, and so on and so forth, skipping over the holidays. I like to have that quick reference for what week number we're in all the way through the year. And of course, it gives me a simple reference for our next step in the calculation here. So as an example, last year I calculated us to be at 38 potential teaching weeks in the year. Now, that number is normally 39. It was just a bit of an awkward year in terms of the timing of certain dates. So I had to bring it down to 38. It just made sense. So we have 38 teaching weeks in the year. But here's the flex week trick. You don't charge for all 38. You deduct your flex weeks from that number, and that is what you're going to charge for. Now, I know I'm going to get questions about this, so I am not saying that you should charge by the lesson, or that you should show this calculation to parents. But no matter what way you normally charge, you do have, effectively, a per-lesson rate. And so that's what I'm talking about here. It's for your own calculations. It's not for something you give to families, that per lesson rate, but it does exist no matter what way you normally charge. So calculate that based on the number of total potential teaching weeks minus your flex weeks. Now, I like to allow for two flex weeks. That works well for me. I actually, the first year I did this, I only allowed for one. And that was perfect that particular year. And then the next year that I did it, I had a couple of things already lined up. Conference or something where I needed to take two. I already knew that right off the bat. And I thought, you know what, two is a better standard anyway. So I've moved forward from there with two. You can take five. If you're someone with a situation where you know you're going to need to be taking more, that's fine. I mean, you need to allow for what you need to allow for. Maybe it means you pencil in more summer dates where you're on, as it were, and then you have more flexibility. You have to work out what works for you and your families. But for me, it's two. So with that 38-week number, I charge for 36. I'm calculating the fees based on 36. And then from there, working out what the monthly rate would be for that and the semesterly rate. I like to give a slight discount on the semesterly. Here's a little secret. It's not actually a discount. It's an increase on the monthly that they're originally calculated, but six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? So my semesterly rate works out a little bit cheaper across the way because there's reduced administration on my side for processing those payments because they're paying twice a year. 
but they have the option of paying monthly and it's about 50-50 in my studio which one people opt for. So I'm happy to offer both. So I work at both of those rates and that's what goes on my fee sheet that I give to families. And I distribute that to families in May each year. So last May is when I did that for the this year along with the enrollment forms for the new year so that they have all the information and they can re-register for the new year starting the following September. Now, quick note, not even a side note, I'm going to call it an important note right here. This needs to go in your policies. I'm not saying to do anything underhand. You're not secretly charging for 36 and then when someone says something, oh, but I didn't charge you for this week. No, you need to be very upfront about this. And most, most importantly is not that you put it in your policies, it's that you say it directly to parents, especially the first time you do this. You need to have an actual conversation with them (laughs) where you'd explain to them the new system, how it's going to make everything easier for everyone because you don't have to adjust anything if anything happens mid-year and that you will be using those weeks at the end of the year if you don't use them during the year. More on that in a second. But the face-to-faceness is very important, especially the first time. And for all new families, clearly explain this face-to-face at your first meeting with them as well. Now, remember those employees? The ones making all that lovely paid holiday time? Well, you can be one of them. All you need to do is divide things up for yourself. I know many teachers like, for this reason, to ask for payments in 12 installments throughout the year instead of the 10 months that they're actually teaching or 11 months that they're actually teaching and they split it all up evenly. If you're already doing that and you love it, that's fine. More power to you. But I'd like to make a case for the other side, which is you don't need to do that to make a steady income. All you need to do is have a separate business account and personal account and pay yourself 12 times a year or 24 times a year or 48 times a year, whatever you like to do. If you just set that money aside in that business again and you tell yourself that that is not your money yet (laughs) because it isn't it's the business's money even if you're the only person in the business and then pay yourself automatically from the business account to the personal account you will have a regular salary and you will effectively have paid holidays lots of them actually because Whenever the schools are off, whenever your studio is closed, those are paid holidays and you have these additional weeks that you can take at your discretion as well. It's actually simple. I'm not going to tell you it's easy to do if you've been doing it the other way for years. I know it'll be hard to change your mindset around that, but it's simple, isn't it? You just have two accounts, it goes from one to the other and it is not yours when it's in the first one. The reason I prefer this is... Well, number one, it's behaving like a business. But number two is, even if you do that 12-month installment thing with your family so that it's more even throughout the year, it's not actually going to be even. It's not actually going to be like as if you were an employee because even if people pay you in a timely manner, they're still going to pay you across several days at the very least. So it's not going to be in one lump sum. Far better to just have a separate business account and transfer it to your personal account so that you are paying yourself. And then you can divide it up in a way that makes sense. So you budget how much you're going to make total in the year, and then you pay yourself that regular salary. Okay, a few extra notes and FAQs to deal with on this system. 
So first of all is the secret step four, and that is that you are going to need to keep track of which days you take off throughout the year. That's the only extra consideration really that we've got here versus someone who's an employee. That's the part that really is different for you. You cannot take all Tuesdays off. (laughs) You can't take two weeks of Tuesdays, because if you do that, then your Tuesday students, well, they're not getting a great deal, are they? (laughs) They're not having their lessons for 14 out of 38 lessons of the year, or whatever it works out to be. So you can't take all Tuesdays. You have to take the same number of each day. You have to take two Tuesdays and two Wednesdays, for example. So all you need to do is keep careful track of that. You need to have somewhere that you consistently write that down just in case you forget. Don't assume you'll remember. I mean, you probably will, but just write it down. What's the harm? That's what I try to tell myself anyway with this kind of stuff. So write down these things, keep a note of them as you go through the year so that you can even it out. Which brings me to my first FAQ about these kinds of systems that I wanted to address, which is what if I don't use it all? So let's say you take all the Tuesdays, but you don't take all the Thursdays and Fridays. You only take one of each of those. Well, that just means that the last week of the year, you finish on Wednesday. Woohoo! Fun! Now, it may mean that the last week of the year, you only work Tuesday and Saturday, if that's what it works out to be, but you just even it out with that last week. Next question is, what if I need more, right? What if I go beyond that? So you try to allow for what you might need, but you know, emergencies happen, right? There are regular emergencies that, you know, we roughly have this many a year, our child gets sick roughly this many times a year or whatever it is. And then there are the things that go beyond the usual that you just could not have allowed for. And families should be understanding about that. And yes, you are going to have to either refund or reschedule the lessons. I would where it's possible, suggest offering a reschedule first, but I would never insist upon rescheduling it because really it is on our side. It's not like makeup lessons that families are requesting. That is different. Those are lessons that they are asking to reschedule because they're sick, because they're going on holidays, because their car didn't start. Whereas this is something that's happened on your side. And so if we expect them to I guess, account for when they're off, we need to account for when we're off. And so while I will offer a reschedule and I'll try to sort that out with families, I will refund it if I need to. And I think that's what's fair. So you work out what that lesson would have been and either refund it or offset it against the next payment at the family's choice. It's their decision. All right, so I hope this idea is useful for you. Again, the original concept of flex weeks and the term as I know it comes from Wendy Stevens, so that's composecreate.com. But I hope my different perspective or different step-by-step way of looking at it will have helped you to implement it in your studio and you can definitely check out Wendy's article on it too. This has been really, really useful for my studio, especially as I've expanded to other teachers so that we have that flexibility built in for when they need to go to granny's wedding or whatever throughout the year. So I hope that it's useful for you too. That's it for this week. I'll catch you next week on episode 147. See you then. 
If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.